0: Welcome to the Shit Show of My 20s. My name's Sophia, and I am so glad you're here. I am a 20 something in my early 20s, and I was going through my fair share of Shit Show moments, and I'm sure there's more Shit Show moments to come. So much fun. But while I was going through these moments, I was realizing I'm probably not the only 20 something who feels this way. So I decided to start this podcast back in 2020, and it's been incredible. And I love interviewing these inspiring people and I hope that through these stories you're able to see yourself in these stories and it would mean the absolute world to me if you would share it with a friend as well as leave me a review on iTunes, it makes a huge difference, I put so much time and energy into this podcast and it would mean the world to me. So without further ado, let's get started today's guest is Hannah Williams. I love trying with her. Hannah is a twenty six year old content creator in washington d c area tackling a major issue: salary transparency. With her viral series, Hannah encourages strangers to share what they do and how much they make. She is inspired to combat discriminatory tendencies in employment and close pay gaps that affect women, people of color, workers with disabilities and the LGBTQ plus community. In this episode, we go into so many incredible things from her career journey, job hopping, what inspired her to start STS, and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining me. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So I'd love to start telling me about your 20s. Feel free to include any (laughs) show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there.
1: Oh my gosh, my 20s. I mean, I'm still in them. I'm 26 now, just turned 26, which I feel like is the cutoff age where you're not really in your 20s anymore. You know, like you're on the older age of 20, like you're off your parents' health insurance, you can rent a car, you know, like now I'm really, I feel like I'm stepping into my adult years. My 20s were difficult. I feel like I spent a lot of them confused, unsure of myself, kind of lost, broke, all the things, literally when I turned 25, Five, i actually almost like quit my job without a backup plan like so funny i'm so glad i didn't do this but i told my parents i was like i'm gonna take a year off and i'm gonna write a book about my quarter midlife crisis because i was like my life is a shit show <laughs> Like i don't know what i'm doing and you know thank god i didn't do that because that really would have probably not helped me figure out what i wanted to do But yeah, I mean, there's so many things that I can get into. I just feel like a lot of the time I was just kind of bopping about, you know, trying to find my place, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, because I never really had any like direction. Like I wanted to do all the things. And you know, when you're told pick a degree, because it's what you're going to do for the rest of your life, that like, made me freak out. I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do, because I want to do everything. You know, I can't pigeonhole myself. I think like funny enough realizing that, you know, in my career later on and realizing that like, I can switch things up and I can do more than one thing in my life, even if they're completely different from one another professionally, personally, like there's nothing wrong with that. And I wish I had learned that a lot earlier in my life way before my 20s. (laughs)
0: Yeah, definitely. And the core life crisis is so real. (laughs) You do still want to write a book about it?
1: (laughs) I do. I literally do. I actually... I think I even picked up a book from the Barnes and Noble by me recently and I was like oh good thing I didn't write that book because someone's already done it (laughs) it's called like quarter life and it's a book for people like in their 20s trying to figure it out I have yet to read it (laughs) I'm gonna be in my 30s by the time I pick it up (laughs) but yeah it's a real thing it's it's tough out here man
0: (laughs) yeah and I think you described 20s perfectly in terms of all the career transitions all the things we go through of like what am I even doing with my career I need a new one all of those yeah. stuff. And yeah, and I'm curious like, from your journey from the different jobs you're doing to, you know, salary transparency street, like, how'd yeah. that look like in terms yeah. of like your progression? So, okay, let's, I'm going to go back because I feel
1: like this context is so helpful to understand like where I got to the point where I started STS, um, which I'm going to call it STS because, oh my God, it's such a mouthful yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to like trip over my words. So I graduated college in May of 2019. I went to community college and then I transferred to Georgetown University. So I have an associate's and a bachelor's. I chose business as my major after changing it a billion times when I was a freshman just because like, honestly, like flat out, I was not good at science. I've never been good at science. Science does not make sense to me. (laughs) So I like knew off the bat that I couldn't do something in STEM, which is funny, because I ended up being a data analyst. So I was wrong, you know, like, I pigeonholed myself and I was wrong, but I didn't do STEM, but I understood business. Like it was really like, it it just was intuitive to me. Like I ended up choosing my major as management when I went to Georgetown. And I remember I had a couple classes like that were case studies, you know, like analyzing businesses and what did they do wrong, you know, and like economy and stuff. And for some reason, like that stuff gets my gears going. Like I love case studies. I love analyzing like success of companies and people. And so, you know in retrospect, looking at it now, I'm like, of course, I loved that. Like, that's what I should have been going at. But, you know, at the time, I I was like, I don't know what to do. It's like like, I have this passion, but like I don't want to be a writer. I don't want to cover companies. I don't want to be a consultant. You know, like I don't want to work in HR. So it was really difficult for me to find my place with like what I knew I was passionate about, even back then. So I when I was in Georgetown, I had a startup called Trucker and I got bit by the entrepreneurship bug where I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. Like I want to work for myself. I want to have my own business. I want to do the whole girl boss thing. And, you know, I worked on that for the two years I was at Georgetown, basically like a month before graduation, I had nothing I had lost like $7,500 on a bad coding deal that had gone wrong. So like right before graduation, I was like, wow, like this business that I thought I was going to work on I can't live off of it. I can't pay my bills. It's not bringing in any money. It's got ways to go. So that was a really hard moment for me to be like, I just spent the past two years giving this my everything. I'm a month out of graduation. All my friends have jobs. I have nothing lined up. And it was really tough for me to even find a job after I made that realization because all the people were done. Like they'd already hired their, you know, incoming entry level people. And so the only job I could find, which was in Arlington, like right down the street from my school, was as a telemarketer, like doing cold calling sales. Oh my God, it was so terrible. I graduated on a Saturday, started the following Monday. I was making $40,000 a year. I hated it. Like the only reason I took the job was because I needed it. You know, I wasn't passionate about sales. I'm an introvert, but a lot of people don't know that about me. So like cold calling people and getting told no, stop calling me over and over again was really bad for my mental health. <laughs> and so <laughs> I felt like totally stuck in this job. But, you know, and everyone's telling me you have to stick it out for a year. You can't start a job and then quit. Like, you have to at least show that you tried. And I shit you not. Like, I hope I can swear.
0: Yeah, of course. (laughs)
1: I literally cried every single day at this job. Like I would cry on the walk to the office. I cried on the way back. I cried in the bathroom. It was just terrible. I knew it was not for me. I was miserable. And so I immediately started looking for another job, despite what people were telling me. That was a bad idea. And, you know, I will, in retrospect, I look back at my time at Georgetown and I'm like, I didn't graduate with the great career that I thought I was going to have straight out of school. I had student loan debt. I didn't really like vibe with the people there. So I regret it, right? But then what I am grateful for is I got my break out of telemarketing thanks to Georgetown, thanks to their alumni network. So I had like my resume up on this professional network. I think it was on Handshake, you know, like the student app thing. And I was, I just put it out there. I was like, I'm looking for a job. I'm open for opportunities. And this really small government contracting company in DC which is where I'm based, they reached out to me and they were like, Hey, you know, we need someone who can read a graph, you know, and we don't really know what we want you to do. But like, we need someone on our team who can help and like your cheap labor. <laughs> and I was like, sign me up. Like, I don't care what I'm doing. I just want out. And so I accepted that job. I think my my formal title is a functional data management consultant or analyst or something, but like super entry level, I was making fifty. $55,000 a year or 56. And so, you know, I'm like boop boop boop, you know, like Mario Kart sound like I just went up 15k, you know, from a job that I hated. Like this is great. Like I was really excited about it at first, but slowly but surely I was I was just not happy with the role. It wasn't really what I had envisioned. I was twiddling my thumbs a lot, frankly. Like I was really bored. And so, funny enough, as soon as I became a data analyst, you know, and I kind of got into that little niche people started reaching out to me on LinkedIn, like and sending me opportunities, all these recruiters were in my DMS, like, hey, you know, we have an opening on this contract, like, are you interested? And I was like, you know, maybe like, well, what? Are, what's it paying, you know, and so I started doing a couple interviews, figuring out like what I could make in the area. And I kept hearing higher salaries that were offered to me. So I was like, I'm going to jump ship. I'm not happy here. And I think like I hit my 10 month or something. And I quit that job and went to go work at Booz Allen Hamilton, which was like a bigger consulting firm. And so in like less than a year and a half, I had already left two jobs. (laughs) So I started getting this, you know, job hopping thing on my resume, but I was really looking for the right fit. I was just trying to find what I liked to do, because so far, I hadn't found it yet. And so I was in that job for a year, I paid off my student loans, thanks to a sign on bonus that I got and just like really attacking my student loans head on. And I think at that moment, I had this pivotal realization where I was like, I want to make money. (laughs) Like I don't want to be poor. I'm so tired of living paycheck to paycheck. Like I got a sense of like, once I paid off my student loans, I was like, wow, like, I have all this available capital, you know, like I want to put it on different things. I want to, you know, I had all these new goals, I got really into finance. And so I left that job for another job making 90k after I hit my one year and I didn't leave until I had hit the one year because I took on a signing bonus and so if I'd left I would have had to pay it back so I was strategic in that sense so this is where things get dicey I was making 72,000 at Booz Allen so I had gone from 40 to 55 to 72 and I was like killing it you know like this is great I'm making money I take on this new job which came as a, with a promotion they and you know my the red flag number one should have been that they were like will hire you at any cost. Like, they just, they didn't really care, you know, like, I should have negotiated for more money, but in retrospect, I didn't know that you could negotiate your salary. Like even at Georgetown, you don't take a class on negotiating your salary or like how to advocate for yourself at work. I had just been bopping about interviews and waiting until the last moment where they were like, yeah, this is what we'll offer you. And if it was like what I liked or what I didn't like, then I would walk away or accept. I didn't know that you could do market research and that you should be trying to like plan this strategically ahead of time. So when I accepted the role, I accepted it for 90K and they started me right away. I was like, wow, I'm like 23 years old, making." Ninety thousand dollars. i i'm so close to six figures this is awesome start the job within a month they fire my only other colleague on my team and so basically got in a promotion by accepting the job and becoming a senior so i had another senior analyst on my team but it was a team of two data analysts supporting literally six different communications teams like website social media blogs like you name it each of those teams should have had a dedicated analyst And there were two of us supporting six. When they fired my only other colleague, it became me, only me supporting six. They did not, you know, replace him. They didn't use his role, you know, his budget for anything worthwhile. I was just like left out to rot. You know, I was did it for a couple months working like 60 hour weeks, no overtime. I was overwhelmed. And finally, I was like, you know, I I think I might be for what I'm doing and what I think that, you know, there should be one analyst supporting at least one to two teams, not six, I should probably be better compensated because like 60 hour weeks for 90k and ruining my relationships with my family, my friends was not cutting it for me anymore. So that was my first dipping my toe into let me do some market research and figure out how much I should be making. So I go on Google, you know, Google, how much should a senior data analyst make in Washington, DC? Oh, my God, girl. (laughs) It was so bad. All the numbers were like, easily over 110. Like, and I was like, wow, I'm easily underpaid like 20k. And it's because I didn't even do this research to begin with. Like, so I was mad at myself. But I was also, you know, I had that moment where I was like, they have access to this research the same way I do. You know, this is this is the internet. They probably have better data than I do, just flat out Googling. And they still made me that offer because it made sense to them. They saved money hiring me. You know, they didn't care about treating me With respect in regards to my salary It was a better business decision For them to hire me at 90k and underpay me So I was really like upset about that because I felt like I'd given this company my all And also like this was the height of the great Resignation like I think it was 2021 And so like everyone Is quitting their jobs everyone's like Screw big corp you know go live Your life and that was really bad timing For them and for me to make that (laughs) realization Because I was like F this I'm out So finally, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to look for a new job because I brought them my research, asked for the raise. They basically were like, you have to be with the company a year before you even get a raise, like before you get any extra money. And I was like, just started. So I've got a ways to go. And then they were like, even then we don't give out raises of more than like three to 5% any one time, which was way under, you know, the 20K I was asking to make market rate. So I started looking for another job. And in my first interview, the recruiter asked me, you know, what are your salary requirements? The standard question. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this anymore. Like this, it makes no sense that they're asking me this question. So I flipped it on her and I was like, you know – I know what my market rate is, but I'm more curious what your budget is for this role so that it's in line with my salary requirements. And she was like, Oh yeah, like no problem. Our budget's around 115K. And I was like, perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. (laughs) You know, like it's the point that I was probably gonna like undercut myself again. I was like, 115 is great. I accepted that role, making 115k, loved that job. Could not shake the feeling of what had happened to me, you know, like it was always in the back of my head, like, man, you know that really shook me up. like I didn't know that corporate could be like this, you know and that and that money is so important, and really, like, I just kept thinking, I'm a privileged white woman who went to Georgetown, you know, like everything is should be in my favor based on how the world works, and I was still underpaid 20k. 20k which like over years is so significant and i was like man if that happened to me i can't imagine what happens to people that are victims of bias on a daily basis just for how they look you know and so i start doing all this research just out of anger <laughs> on the gender pay gap and racial pay gaps and just like the issue of transparency and so i start educating myself and i'm like man transparency makes sense like everyone's talking about you shouldn't talk about money you shouldn't yada yada no like this makes sense and so I started you know I was never in content creation before but I started a page on TikTok called Stocks and Squats, which like I had a couple months ago created because I was like, I'm gonna talk about my health journey and my finance journey. But then I <laughs> I realized that like none of those things would have happened unless I had gone through like my career journey. So I pivoted and just started talking about my career journey. And I made one video where I said exactly how much money I made at all five of my jobs. At that point, I'd had five jobs in like less than three years. It went viral. Like, so some people knew me from stocks and squats before I started salary transparency, which is funny. And so that video went viral. And I was like, wow, my salary, like just talking about how much I made, has helped so many people, like people were DMing me and saying, like, I had no idea you could make this much like I'm making x, you know, what do I do? And so I just started talking to them. And it really cemented that this was a problem that needed fixing. And I was like, okay, how do I fix this problem? I can't dial up Elon Musk, you know, and be like, hey, You know, there's this great thing called salary transparency, you know, you should really get on board with it. It may like cost you some money, but I promise it's for the good of the people. That's not going to happen. You know, (laughs) like it's not going to happen. And so I was like, what have I learned in the past few years? Okay, great resignation. There's power in people. There's power in awareness and talking about these things and just kind of sharing information and If we work together collectively to show this value, we might be able to actually make concrete change. And so I was like, how do I how do I put that in front of people? Well, I'm going to go interview people on the street and just ask them. And that was the simplest. It was the simplest idea. And like even the name, I was like, it's salary transparency and we're on the street. So salary transparent street, you know, I got a logo done on Fiverr for like 20 bucks, put it on a T-shirt went on the street in Georgetown, literally filmed the video the same day that we posted it that night. And I dragged my fiance out with me to film me. It went viral. The rest is history. Like I, my job three weeks later, I think like I even was trying to quit earlier, but I had to wait a little bit (laughs) and I found like my calling by having this horrific series of unfortunate events, but it brought me to like where I feel like my energy is best directed. So Super long story short, that's the story of salary transparency.
0: <laughs> wow, you have such an incredible journey. And there's a couple of places I want to go. First, yeah. place, you're an introvert, so like going yes. up to random people. I mean, what's your salary? You know, money's also another factor here. How was uh-huh. that at the beginning? Did you like at the beginning? Did you have any like feelings come up of like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna go talk to this random person or have that kind mm-hmm. of first? Oh my god, it was terrible. <laughs>
1: it was. Terrible. You know, I hope that gives people who are also a little shy and introverted some bravery and some courage and some strength to hear it from me because it doesn't get easier. Like kind of have this thing where I go into a flow state. Like once I start, then I'm good. But like the anxiety and the anticipation of like starting is really what can be almost debilitating for me. I get so nervous, like, and a huge part of that is like, I, my fiance is always with me. And so he really helps me like stay grounded and stay calm. And he knows when I'm nervous, and he'll be like, okay, like, let's go take a lap. I know you're still nervous, like, we'll come back. And so it's really like the anxiety of starting is the worst part for me. And but as soon as I like get up the courage, and I stand on the street, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna ask this person, I go up to them, I'm like, hey, you know, we're filming for salary transparency, yada, yada, I give them my spiel usually, you know, it doesn't matter if they say yes or no, as soon as I just get the first one out, then I'm good. And then I really like relax into it. But as soon as it's done, like sometimes whenever we finish, like my hands are shaking, you know, and I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize my hand was shaking this whole time. So it it does have an impact on me during before after that is hard to work through. And I feel like that's something that no one ever sees in the videos. So I I hope people sometimes give me grace when I like stumble over myself in the videos, because I'm like, y'all, I'm not a journalism major. (laughs) This is so incredibly difficult to do. And especially as an introvert, someone who's really shy, it's incredibly difficult. But you know, I can do it. So a lot of other people can too. It's just like, I'm so passionate about it. it. I couldn't not continue.
0: Yeah. And like, is there like stigma that comes up from people when they're saying how much money they make? It's <laughs> yeah. like I feel like there's a lot of stigma about like saying, oh, I make this much money or maybe like mm-hmm. I don't make enough money. Like there's always thoughts that go around about money. So like how do you kind of combat yeah. that when you talk to people?
1: Absolutely. That's a great question. There's so many. It's like a social experiment every time we go do this. You see so many different emotions and like arguments and taboos come out and play like in real time. And I kind of see it as an honor to be a person who can you know, talk to people about it because I've made it my business. I've made it my my personal branding is I'm the girl who asks people how much they make. So I kind of lean into it in the sense of like, if anyone's gonna ask this question, it's me. And so I kind of feel like it helps people get a little less nervous because it's not like their colleague or their friend. It's like, oh, it's a salary girl asking me how much I make, <laughs> you know, so it's a little less scary, I think, for people. But like, there are people that will flat out just be like, Oh, like, what do you want? My social security number, two, and I'm like, ah, you know, it's not that serious, but like, cool, have a good day. And then there's people who are like, I'm not allowed to talk about that. Like, I signed an NDA. My my company doesn't allow that, and I'm like, amazing. You're exactly who I want to talk to because unless you're a federal worker or like a farm worker or a railroad worker, that's illegal. It is your legal right to talk about your salary. It's protected by the law. Literally, unless you you work for the government, you're a railroad worker or a farm worker, the law applies to you. And NDAs that you sign where your company is like, you can't talk about salary, those are unenforceable. They're illegal. They would not stand up in a lawsuit. It's just a means of intimidation. It's ridiculous that they're even allowed to do that lawfully. Like There should be, I feel like, more consequences for companies that intimidate their employees to not trust that it's their legal right to have these discussions and to talk about it so I share that information like immediately when people tell me that they're like I can't talk about it I'm like well actually you can like I promise you you know (laughs) so I'm like running after them telling them the law but it's really cool like people are surprisingly open-minded I think a lot of people think that we get a lot of no's and course we do but like a lot of times we get no's from people who would share like they're like i love what you're doing like i talk about salary with my colleagues i just don't want to be on the internet oh my god thousand percent valid like it's so difficult and like i'm very protective of the people we interview like i take no shit in the comments like if you have terrible horrible things to say about people like that's the easiest way to get blocked i i don't tolerate it and so because like you know, people are sharing helpful information. And then people go on the internet, and they're like, you're fat, you should put your money less towards fast food. And it's like, no one brought that up. (laughs) You know, like, there's no need for that. The internet is such a cruel place sometimes. And so when people are like, I don't want to be on the internet, I'm like, Oh, my God, (laughs) that is your right to say no. (laughs) And I won't I won't pressure you. But yeah, I mean, so many different attitudes, so many different arguments. It's really, I see it as like an educational opportunity. And it's always, I don't know, talking to people as an introvert can sometimes actually give me energy in that sense, because I just get so like passionate about it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is your right. Like, and when people are excited to share, it's usually because they're proud of the work that they do, you know, and they're proud of their careers and their accomplishments. And I think it's beautiful to see that like come out when people talk, especially like when you approach them and they're kind of shy, but then they start talking about it and they really open up. I'm like, I'm an introvert, but that made me really happy.
0: (laughs) I love it, and I love that you go out of your way to protect those people too that you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. That shows. Yeah,
1: like- yeah. I I think it's integrity. You know, like I see some other accounts that don't do that, and like there's some that will like manipulate what people say, change it into different things, and I just that makes me so grossed out hate that i'm like this is where y'all should not have the internet like someone take your phone away please those creators should not be given a platform or encouragement it's it's not fair
0: yeah and with like interviewing so many different people and so many different job titles what are some jobs that you think are really overlooked that are very Mm -hmm. lucrative we could get into what -hmm. would you recommend there that's a great question
1: i would have told you tech a couple months ago I would have been like tech is where all the money's at and you know I think to an extent it still is but things have been ugly recently with tech so you know try to give people a grain of salt like take it with a grain of salt but you know bounces down always bounces back up you know so I think when people freak out about tech and layoffs it's just where the economy's at right now it doesn't mean that software engineers won't be needed in the future you know and every company I think sometimes people think that if you work in tech you have to work at one of these like big fang companies you know like Facebook meta yada yada every company needs some form of tech worker whether it's IT cybersecurity, analysis software programming all of that so sometimes like you can get really good money at random companies that you would never guess have a tech department so just shouting that out if you are interested in tech and like have are having trouble finding a job stop looking at google stop looking at apple look at like small companies like sometimes they have huge budgets for people in tech and they'll pay huge money for talented talent for lack of a better word but other than that what i've seen is definitely trade workers Trades get paid very well I think that unfortunately Our society doesn't really talk About them that much or push people towards Them that much especially women I would love to see more electricians Plumbers you know you name it They're making great money and like If we want to help close some gender pay gaps Especially uh, and race racial pay Gaps across you know The same industry trade is a great place To start because there's just not much Representation there or diversity And so I'm like let's even this playing field out a little bit. <laughs> you know, not all men have to be electricians. What else? Healthcare is huge. So yeah, I mean, I would say like my top 3 based on what I see with like high opportunity, high money, all of that, trades, healthcare, and tech. Healthcare especially, but you know, they all have pros and cons to them that people have to consider. Like definitely with healthcare, what I hear all the time is a lack of work-life balance sometimes the nurses seem like they have good work-life balance but like when you get higher up you know they are working all the time i mean sure you're making like 200 300k but like can you spend it because in your off time, you know, because you don't have any so important things to consider, not that you asked, but I'm like on that tangent. So one thing that I have seen, sadly, is that I feel like a lot of our most important roles in our society are the most underpaid teachers, for example, social workers, people that run our metro, you know, our buses, our transportation, they really are not seeing increases in their salary that to match inflation or cost of living. You know, and then there's always people are like, well, you know, people that make the most bring in the most, you know, like tech workers produce millions of dollars for these companies. So it validates their salaries. I feel like we need to stop having that argument because like, to me, that just says like, okay, so we're not going to pay teachers well to make a living because they're not profitable. Like, (laughs) these are our children. This is our future. We have to invest in them, whether it's profitable or not. And like the second we turn classrooms into a capitalist, you know, economy, we've done something wrong again. You know, we really need to invest in these people aside from how much profit they make and revenue they make and just realize that they're integral to our society. And you're not going to get good people in those roles if you're not paying them well. Because all the teachers right now are leaving and they're going to make more money at freaking Costco. Like, it's crazy to me that we live in a world where people can make more money at Costco than teaching. So I digress. (laughs) I'll step off my soapbox, but (laughs) that's just what I'm seeing.
0: Wow. I'm surprised they can make more money at Costco. Kind of disappointing, but well. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And at the beginning, did you know, like, sts would be what it is today like did you have a feeling it was gonna grow to this point or like No.
1: no oh my gosh i mean when i first had the idea and i was like okay this is what i'm gonna do i thought that it was gonna do well but like you know when i look at how stocks and squats my personal account was performing i was like this is gonna get like 100k views maybe 200k views you know millions of views was not what I was expecting like millions upon millions going viral overnight is just insane like everything moves so fast that it's really difficult to kind of like get a sense of where things are you know that's why like when I quit my job so quickly it was on purpose because I was like we're going viral now, you know, our moment in the spotlight is now. And I can't, you know, half ass this at this prime moment. Like, if I really want this to be successful, I have to give it my all. So I think like, when we first launched the video, and I saw it perform so well, I was like, there's definitely something here But I would have not guessed that it would have led me to quit my job in three weeks, you know, and that we're going to close on almost over a million dollars in revenue before we're a year old. Definitely would have not guessed that. But like right when we went viral and we started getting media inquiries like the Washington Post, you name it. I was like, okay, this might be big (laughs) because like you don't get that response without something, you know, that's like really it's like it factor. I was like, this is special. And right then I knew. But before, no.
0: (laughs) It's so cool. Just overnight.
1: Yeah, overnight. It's crazy. Yeah, it's changed a lot of things. It's it's been difficult to adjust to. I think like a lot of people are like, I wanna go viral and I want my life to change. And like when it happened, it was really cool. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) what have I done? (laughs) You know, like where's my life going now? It's interesting, but it's exciting. You know, it's really a dream come true.
0: Yeah. Do you have any tips for someone who maybe like they didn't go viral? They're like mm-hmm. continuing to create content. Maybe they're feeling like a lack of motivation because like they're putting in so yeah. many hours and like none of that work is like really manifesting yet. Do you have <laughs> any tips for when you're in yeah. that stage?
1: I have a few, and I would say like I just want to tell people like if you're grinding at something and it hasn't you know it hasn't gone viral, it hasn't you know spotlight switch yet. That doesn't mean it won't happen. You know, I feel like timing is everything. Some people I feel like are set with us, you know, from our success because they're like, well, all you did was ask people like how much they make. Like you didn't do anything crazy. Like I've been doing this for two years and I haven't took off. And it's like, yeah, well, we were one of the first accounts to really do this. Flat out ask people, what do you do? How much do you make? And fully marry that concept. We were one of the first to do that. We were right around the time that we launched, was when pay transparency started becoming a hot topic. Like, I didn't do that on purpose, I just had great timing. And so, I think a lot of success is related to timing and not always the content. You know, I feel like sometimes we're like, well, my content sucks. That's why it's not performing well. Well, you know, are people thinking about what you're talking about? Are, you know, you helping people in a moment that they really need help? Topics and timing are so major, I think, to especially online success. So that's something I would just like leave you with, like, don't panic, keep going at it if you're really passionate about it. But sometimes like timing matters and, you know, being strategic about that matters. I would also say that you shouldn't give up on it. Like I had so many ideas like I said, like I got bit by the entrepreneurship bug when I was in Georgetown. I can tell you I've probably had 30 great ideas that I thought were going to change my life from the time I graduated to starting salary transparency. And every other week I would have an idea and I thought it was the next big thing. God bless my fiance for listening to every single one and being so supportive <laughs> through it <laughs> cuz like he's one of a kind. Really like None of those worked out, but I didn't give up. If you feel like you want to do something with your life, like off your own idea, you want to have your own business, sometimes the idea you have is not, but it doesn't mean that you're off. You just have to keep thinking about it, like keep working, keep grinding away at things that make you passionate. Because also I think a lot of our success is because I'm really passionate about what I do. I didn't just pick a topic and then start talking about it. If you're passionate about what you do, eventually that success will come, but you have to keep going at it you You also should be ready to pivot. Like, I kind of like the fact that I work now in a creative field because, you know, sometimes when we're making content, I get bored of like asking people, What do you do and how much do you make? You can only ask it so many times before you kind of start losing like the the magic spark to it. And so I don't, even though I'm like, This is my entire page, we've pivoted and done other kinds of content on the page that spark that passion back up again. You know, we ask people, How much did your wedding cost? You know, like how much do you pay for rent? Like all these different kinds of questions. We started asking kids what their parents do and how much they make, just kind of switching it up to keep the spark alive. And I think that sometimes people get upset with us because they're like, well, that wasn't salary transparency. And it's like, I'm a creator. I'm a creative. This is my page. I'm sorry that this one video out of our hundreds didn't satisfy like your needs, but I'm going to do what I have to do to make sure that I continue to be successful and that I keep that spark alive and I'm not afraid to pivot. So and it's been successful, like, I would just tell people keep going at it, don't be afraid to pivot, surround yourself with people who listen to you who encourage you who really want what's best for you and don't hold you back. And eventually, something will come through, maybe not overnight, but just trust the process.
0: I love that you didn't put yourself in that box of like, I have to be this girl who only asks two questions, and you allow yourself to ask whatever you want. I
1: never wanted to be yeah I was like I love doing this but I have to find a way to eventually step out of my space (laughs) you know otherwise I'm gonna go crazy it's it's like how I was which I wish I'd realized before my 20s is that I'm not meant to do one thing forever I get bored really easily I'm very much like ADHD in my actions and in my brain you know like it has to change otherwise I get bored and I think that the people that grow with us understand that. And those are the people that will support you.
0: Definitely. definitely. And I'm curious for like, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but like, okay, like I'm gonna ask these people two questions about their salary. It's really easy to mm-hmm. overthink it and think like, oh no, I can't yeah. just do that. Like I have to do this, I have to do this, <laughs> I have to do like a backflip, something during the video, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Damn. I, like, Yeah, but like sometimes I feel like it's easy to overthink content and want to make it way yeah. more complicated than it has to be. What are your tips there for when you want to overcomplicate things? Maybe you're not even starting to create content because you want to overcomplicate it. What tips do you have there? Great question. Don't
1: overcomplicate. Like point blank, don't overcomplicate it. When you start just overcomplicating it, that's the easiest way to just have like, what is it? Paralysis by analysis, which I have all the time. If I think about it too much. I won't do it because I get too scared. And I'm like, it's not, you know, like, especially post edit editing for me is like, I didn't go to editing school. I'm not an editing pro. We still edit our content ourselves. We finally got an editor who helps us with like our regular content. But like, really, when we first posted our first videos, I edited that in app, like in TikTok, I put a location text, I put job title text, I put a salary text, super, super simple. And it worked like those videos, the backbone of our success. I did not overcomplicate it. Even I remember when we first started, it was before TikTok had even improved their editing. So you couldn't even go in and cut out pieces like for full editing, you know, like ums and ahs and stuff. So I just posted the full on video. I didn't even edit that baby, like hardly at all. It worked really like, It's not about editing or, you know, making sure that it's perfect and fluffy and pretty. It's about what you're delivering. Like, what is the content? What are you saying? What are people going to take from the video you're creating? They don't care about the sound effect. They don't care about the text, the font. They just want to get something from the video. It's that simple. And so when you start from that point and then create it, create the content, Don't overthink it. You know, sometimes I'm like, I'm going to write out a script and I'm going to do all the things and I'm going to plan the entire layout. No, just figure out what you're going to say. Put together a little script if you need it, deliver it, and then figure out the editing process. But if you just are like, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know. I don't know. You're not going to do it. And it's not going to end up looking like how you want it to. So just don't just simplify it. Don't over don't overcomplicate it.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it could be so easy to go and want to like learn all these editing things and make it as complicated yeah. as possible. But going back to what's simple. Yeah, so helpful. Mm-hmm. And what's something you think? It could be like any experience you've had that you think made makes you a really good creator.
1: No one's asked me that yet. That's a great question. What makes me a good creator? I really like that question. <laughs> I think literally no one's ever asked me this before. This is so great. I think it's a little bit going back to like what I was saying about not being afraid to pivot and not putting myself in a box. I think that sometimes like changing my mind all the time and like things like that have been negative for me in the past, but they've also been a strength, like in one sense, kind of always changing my mind and not wanting to be in a box and wanting to pivot has sometimes complicated like my direction. But at the same time, it's always kept my spark alive. Like I have always listened to intuitively how I feel creatively, you know, like whenever things start getting a little bit okay, like this is kind of I'm not really inspired about asking people how much they make. But I read this article, you know, about of living through the roof in this state, I'm going to go to the state and ask people about how much is their rent, you know? Things like that that are still along the same line of what we do, but just a little bit pivoted, just a little bit deviated has kept my spark alive. And in a way, when I get back to the regular questions, I come back stronger because I've like fed this thing that I needed to feed outside of my regular, like nine to five, you know, what do you do? How much do you make? And when I come back, I'm like, Oh my God, I took so much from this other question. Now I can improve my regular interviews because I can ask this. And I didn't know that this was such a good question, but I'm going to ask it now. Just like not being afraid to explore and change my mind and, and trust my gut has been so huge. Like, I think that there's so many things with STS that were done strategically that like people don't know. Like I had the idea for STS like a month before we launched, but I didn't want to go out on the street until I had like my logo on my t-shirt and that I would wear the t-shirt because I knew that going out and asking was like such a taboo. Like I didn't know what the reactions were going to be. So I was like, I have to give myself some authority. You know, I have to be like, I'm with Salary Transparency, I have to brand myself and that gives me legitimacy. And that worked, you know, people gave us the interviews and stuff. And so that was really strategic on my part. And I think it's helped us grow as a brand ever since because now people are like, yeah, Salary Transparency, you know, like, they know, it from the get go, it wasn't like, yeah, that random creator. Yeah, I mean, so many things. I just think like, not being afraid of like pivoting and trusting my gut and wanting to do other things that fuel my creativity really just gives me the drive and energy to keep going. Like, sometimes get what's the word like when you like write, writer's block, but content block. <laughs> yeah. When I let myself, whether it's successful or not, like lean into these other things that intrigue me creatively it has always worked out for me. Like I'm not I'm not afraid of it. And so I think like other creators, if you're kind of having the same problem where you're like, I don't know how to stay inspired or I, I don't know like whether my content's going the right direction, don't be afraid to try new things. Like don't pigeonhole yourself into like, well, this is what I created my page to be. So now I can't talk about that. If that interests you, talk about it. You might confuse some of your community, but guess what? Some of the people that are there for you, because really people follow people not brands if they're there for you they're gonna be like wow like she seems really excited about this like now I'm excited about it like I'm excited about this direction you know and then you move forward just don't overthink it listen to your gut
0: yeah and I like how you refer to your nine to five as asking those two questions (laughs) that was so funny and then like Outside hours, <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. Real. Outside hours, I talk about your bank account. <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. And like, if people could only watch like two of your videos, that's it. Only piece mm-hmm. of content they could see. What two videos would you want them to see?
1: Ooh, great question. All the good questions today. Let's see. Oh, there's so many good ones. I would definitely say one of the kids. Either the girl whose mother, I think, was a psychologist and her dad drove trucks. She is just the cutest thing. I think I asked her, like, how much does your mom make? And she's like, five (laughs) dollars. And I was like, "Okay, like literal mic drop like she's done. This is the best interview I've ever done. And she's probably tied with the other kid we interviewed who said he wanted to be a doctor. And I was like, how much do you want to make? And he's like, I'm going to make people feel okay." that had me so shook. I was like, wow, okay, like citizen of the year here. Definitely those two tied just for cute factor and like humanity. Number two, with like a real, real interview, I feel like we interviewed this amazing woman in Atlanta, who was a software engineer or developer, I always confuse the two, but they were trans. And they were just so amazing. Like, I don't have words to describe it. But that one was one interview that I remember, like, I smiled for like three hours after it was done, because they gave so much information. Like, literally, I remember I asked her if she would do an interview. And she was like, yeah, of course, you know, and usually I expect a little bit more hesitancy. But like, she came out Banging, like no gatekeeping at all she did not have a cyber degree an it degree she worked in like customer service or something and then managed to work within the company to move up into a role that she was passionate about learned how to code taught herself and she also had like a side business she made like i think two hundred some thousand, 250. I don't know like that video that interview just I watch it back sometimes when I get bored because like it's so inspiring like people's energy is is sometimes tangible and I feel like she was one of those examples of like inspiring energetic exciting like you you watch it and you're like okay I'm not worried about anything I can figure it out I don't have to have the degree that aligns with my dreams I can start over like she just gave me so much
0: hope she was wonderful it's so awesome it's so cool how (laughs) she was able to navigate and like create her own opportunity i love my god she dropped the
1: mic she was amazing
0: (laughs) awesome and i wanted to go back a little bit like what tips do you have for people who want to drop hop maybe they're worried about Mm -hmm. like the stigma about leaving too early or like Mm -hmm. if they're gonna get a better opportunity what tips do you have there stop
1: believing the lies that you need to stay at a job for a year. It's BS. It's not, it's not modern anymore. Like so many people have left their jobs and gone against that status quo and it's worked out for them. I'm a living example of it. Almost every person I talk to that is like job hopped will say the same thing. So it's like, you've got a lot of people who are miserable in their job that they've been in for 20 years with like rarely any. Salary budgeting, and they're like, Don't leave your job. You're going to be seen as disloyal. And then everyone else who's left their jobs and makes more money <laughs> is like, Your job. So I would listen to those people. I would say, like, make sure that you don't do it blindly, though. Like, job hopping has to kind of be done strategically. It can't just be like, I hate my job, I'm quitting, you know, and then quit a bunch of jobs. There is definitely a stigma there of like having a lot of jobs on your resume. I remember when I was, when I found out I was underpaid and I was looking for my last job before I quit for STS, it was difficult to, and I had so many questions from recruiters and managers who were looking at my resume and they're like, why did you leave so many jobs? And, you know, realistically, I, I would tell them, like, I was not inspired by what I was doing there. I did not like the work that I did. So I went and found other things that did inspire me, you know, and then eventually I ended up making more money and that mattered to me. So I did that too. You're gonna have assholes who don't, understand that and who think that you're just a risk and like a flight risk and there's nothing to invest in you. I think that's a big mistake. I think that job hoppers are some of the most honest candidates you can find. They're really those people that are like flat out, I'm looking for something that's going to inspire me. And that's exciting. Like if I saw somebody who was like, not just here for the money, you know, like I've established myself and I've proven that I move around to follow my passion. I'd be like, I want them on my team. Like they've got energy. Like they know what they want instead of someone that's just going to twiddle their thumbs, you know, and cash a paycheck and not do too much. I feel like that just sticks out to me as a huge opportunity for hiring managers to take on job hoppers. But if you're a job hopper yourself or looking into it, just don't be afraid of it. Make sure that, you know, you leave with good relationships with managers and employees or colleagues that you have. Sometimes like the managers matter less like a really strong review from a colleague that you worked with can matter hugely in a resume or like, you know, if you're looking for a reference. So just make sure that you don't leave on bad notes with other people. That's where things can get kind of dicey. Stay as long as you can, but not any longer that then that will hurt your mental health. So like the one year rule is BS. But you know, don't just leave willy nilly, make sure that you have something nicely lined up, to make that hop and also negotiate your salary market research like you should be doing that point blank doesn't matter if you're job hopping just anytime you go for a job make sure that you know how much you want to ask for how much you know you're willing to accept your bottom line and then your want to have like what is the salary that you really really want because if you don't go into those conversations with that knowledge, then you're wasting your time because that salary just may not be worth it for you at the end. What else? What else did I learn in my three short years? Job hopping. Yeah, I would say just trust yourself. If you're a hard worker and you know like that you're doing job hopping for the right reason, I feel like whenever I talked candidly about my experiences, that helped me. I think that sometimes, managers and stuff and the recruiters they think you're trying to hide things especially if you're a job hopper but if you're like flat out This role was not what it was sold to me. I did not work well with my manager, you know, because they were Well, actually probably don't say that because then they'll be like, oh, well, she's difficult. But, you know, like talk about yourself in a positive light. Talk about your experiences in a positive light. Figure out how to make your story sound appealing to them. You know, don't be like, I hated this job and I hated all my jobs before. I don't know if I'm going to like this one. That's a guaranteed way to not get the job. You know, just be confident in your experience and what you're looking for and don't settle for less. Bottom line. So helpful.
0: And like when you first started negotiating salary, did you have any scarcity come up for you about like, I really need this job with negotiation takes this offer off the table? I'm curious what tips you have for like that first time? Because I feel like that could be very scary.
1: It is scary. It's terrifying. That's like what frustrates me also about salary transparency is like, okay, sure, we can fight it with negotiation. But Negotiation is really hard. And it's based on your personality and like who you are. Some people don't like confrontation, they don't like salary negotiation. And I'm like, you shouldn't have to negotiate to be fairly paid. When you weren't hired as a negotiator, your degree is possibly in math, you know, that doesn't make you personality wise a good negotiator. So why is your pay which is determined on your skills, also determined on your ability to negotiate. I digress. It's really frustrating to me because it's difficult. And I understand that a lot of people don't like it. The best way that I recommend people start is when you have a conversation with the recruiter, you know, like on the phone or just that initial conversation. Start talking about salary, but, you know, don't be too hard lined about it yet Sometimes later on in the interview, you might find that they really like you and they're willing to be flexible, but you need to get a good sense of what that salary is. So my trick, which was the first time I tried it and it was successful and I wrote it out ever since, was asking the recruiter, what is the salary budget like for this role? You know, what is your allotted budget? Just so I know that it's in line with my salary requirements. That was like my little spiel. And, you know, sometimes they'll give you a number, sometimes they won't. But as long as you put it out there and you're like, I'm not playing games, I'm serious about my money, they should be too. And if they're not, you probably don't want to work for them. But then afterwards, you know, when you're negotiating your salary, you want to have that market research, like having that data to back you up is the best way to give yourself some courage and some strength. Because- numbers don't lie. If you went online and you consulted six valid sources, you know, Indeed, Glassdoor, ZipRecruiter, Salary.com, Payscale, there's so many, you know, tons of different resources out there for you to find how much you should be making. That number is going to give you the courage to be like, this is what I'm asking for because I know it's what I should be making. And if they give you less, then you're You don't feel bad about walking away. It's not scary to walk away from a number when you know that the number's less than what you should be making. And it can make you more excited about the role if they offer you higher, you know? So have that data to go already before the interview. But yeah, like with negotiation, it's not an overnight thing. Sometimes it's a little bit of push and pull. I think it's just important to consistently be really professional throughout. You can ask through an email if you're really scared to do it over the phone or in person. You know, just ask the recruiter, hey, you know, what are the salary requirements for this role? My current expectations are between X and X. That's a great way to put everything out without the fear, you know, of having an actual phone conversation and like, what do I say after that, you know, that's a great way to go around it. But just stick to your guns, you know, just be like, I've done my market research based on my research of, you know, six different sources, I know that my fair market rate is X, I'd be willing to, you know, maybe if you're moving and it's a lower cost of living or something, you'd be like, I'd be willing to meet you a little lower at X with these accommodations, but these are my expectations. If you're confident about that and you tell them, hey, this is backed up by data, what they say after that will tell you a lot about whether or not this is a company you want to work for. (laughs) If they're trying to play you around actual market rate, you probably don't want to work for them. I see it as a great litmus test. So, you know, how they respond to Salary negotiation is good for you, but also a good indicator of how they value their
0: employees. Definitely. Definitely. And I have a final question for you. So Mm -hmm. if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you want to tell her? Or if you want to tell her nothing at Mm -hmm. all, that's an option as well. Oh, that's such a good question.
1: Oh, I love the intrigue of not telling her anything at all. I'm like, ooh, mysterious. But I know 20-year-old me would be like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) that's so, like, what a terrible magic trick. I'd probably be upset with myself. I would probably tell her, knowing what I know now, I don't know if I'd be able to, like, give it away and be like, look, I promise things get better. (laughs) like just hang in there hold on for dear life I would really just say like to trust the process like it's something that I've said so many times just to myself I don't really know what it means I don't know what the process means but I think that there's just a process to everything there's good and bad there's ups and downs you need that balance you know you're not going to have rain without rainbows yada yada trusting the process and like being okay that sometimes things don't go right is would have helped me so much because I think that I wanted everything to happen overnight and like any idea I had if it didn't succeed overnight I was like this isn't it you know and I'd throw my hands up in despair and be like I'm done really just trusting the process and knowing that eventually things will work out and also life is incredibly long I've achieved every single goal I could really think of myself like for myself probably at 20 if I could set any goal I've achieved it all in less than a year since starting STS and in a weird way, it's kind of like, it's terrible because I've like, now I'm I'm kind of stuck. And I'm like, what do I do next? You know, every bar that I set for myself, I passed easily with this one idea, you know, and before I had 30 others, and they all failed. So it's, it's really shapes how you view things. So I would just say, like, it's not gonna happen the way that you expect it to, and never does. But if you trust that you have a passion about something, that you want to achieve something, just trust the process. Keep working at it. Keep grinding. Take the lows with the highs and don't give up.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for doing this today. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for
1: having me, Sophia. I love this. (laughs) I could talk about this all day.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? Yes, we
1: are on all social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, you name it at Salary Transparent Street. We have a podcast also. We have two podcasts called Let's Get Coffee and Out of Pocket where we talk about water cooler work bestie talk and also like interviews that are more in depth than what I do on Salary Transparent Street. So longer than 60 seconds. Um, those are available anywhere you can listen to your podcasts. And yep, yeah, that's all
0: about me thank you guys so much for listening. I would love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.